This is Claiming Your Voice with Janice Garrard. In this podcast, I feature guests with passionate stories of hope, inspiring others to claim their voice in a world where we can be bold together. Today, my guest is William Epp. William is a Korean adoptee. So we had met through a mutual friend, Barbara Kim. And so, William, I would like for you to start off by telling us your story. So I was born in Korea in 1991. And then I came over in uh, 1992. Um, I was put up for adoption because I was born with a cleft palate. And my birth parents were very poor and they couldn't take care of me with my physical needs. The family that you came to live with, did they already have children? Yep, they already had uh, two daughters. Older, older than you? Older than me, yes. Okay, so it sounds like you were about a year old when you came over to the United States. Right, I was born in January and then came over in February. So a year and a month old. Yep, February 6th, yeah. February 6th, so do you ever celebrate that day or do anything to commemorate it? Not really, I think it's kind of a kind of a bittersweet thought you know I gained a lot by being adopted but I also lost a lot that's a common theme among adoptees that we gain but we also lose a lot we lose our culture our language our birth families right so what what part of that do you feel would you prioritize as being maybe the greatest loss to you? Probably that it didn't work out with uh, my birth family. But that's a very double-edged sword, I think, because then I would lose everything, all, all the memories that I've made here, the people that I've met by being adopted too. But can't help but think of what would have been. I think it's a very double-edged sword. I would agree with that. As we talk about things that are so deep, sometimes I just, me as the interviewer, I kind of sit here and I just let that sink in with me because, you know, it gets kind of personal for me also. So I hear you saying that you can't focus on the what might have been. What do you find yourself focusing on then so that you don't, so that loss doesn't feel so deep? Just the community uh, of Korean adoptees um, through because of our, because we were adopted, I think the community is, uh, how do I say this? Uh, very, the bond is very deep because we all share this uh, personal experience. So I put a lot of time into Nebraska Korean Adoptee Group. And I noticed that you, in your Facebook group, you have like meetups. How often do you meet up then with the Nebraska group? We try to meet up once a month doesn't always happen but Mm -hmm. yeah everybody's busy so it's kind of a hit or miss deal huh Mm yeah let's talk about your family growing up here in the united states and uh, do you want to share you don't have to share the name of the town but if it was a rural or metropolitan area so i was adopted in in the state of nebraska into a small farming community and uh it was a good childhood uh, went to high school, went to grade school and high school in the same school. And there were probably three or four other adoptees that were in that school. And so I never felt, it was never an odd thing for having Asians 
in our school at that time. So uh, what years would have that been? I graduated in 2009. So early 2000s, that, that the 90s. Yeah. So you felt very accepted. Did you ever feel like anybody ever singled you out for being different? No, I I honestly can't say, you know, that anyone was serious, you know, about racist towards me. Mm-hmm. So, Do you think that being raised during that latter part of the 90s, early 2000s, uh, where society has been trying to work so hard, counteracting racist ideas and attitudes, do you feel that that helped? Or do you feel that it was basically because there were other Asians in your school <clears throat> within that community? So people were, you know, used to seeing somebody with Asian features. Well, I don't know what it was like before that. You know, I can't say for other people's experiences, but I think uh, having other Asians, it wasn't unique to see someone else that was adopted or Asian. So mm-hmm. that probably That's- helped the most. Okay. Were there other any ethnic groups in your community besides than the, the Korean adoptees? Uh, no, I don't think so. So can you tell us about the other families that had decided to adopt Koreans? Did you have uh, any bonds with those families? Not really, um, other than we lived in the same community. We didn't even really hang out together. Our Our groups never crossed paths. We were all, everyone's unique in their personalities and they are attracted to certain groups. So yeah, we never really even hung out in high school too much, but every now and then we would. But So since since high school, have you been in contact with these other adoptees to have conversations about what their experience was like growing up in that same town? No, I haven't. I've never even thought about about that, you know, but that's a good idea. Is that something now that you think that you might do? Um, now that you mention it, maybe I'll have to put some effort into it. I think that would be very interesting just to see what their perspectives were. Yeah. So you said that you had a good childhood. What do you attribute that to? Probably just being raised in a Christian home and brought up that way and Growing up on a farm, too, so. Growing up on a farm, I think I pers- I have a personal uh, opinion of that, that there is nothing like that because people are close to the earth. They're close to livestock, if you have it, and we have a yep. different perspective of how the world works without having to filter out a lot of junk from the outside world. Do you feel that helped contribute to your happiness as a child, being close to the earth, having, um, I'm trying to think of another way to say that, but having a close bond to nature. Could be, could be. Mm-hmm. Maybe something that you'll it's have pretty... to think about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. It's uh, pretty simple, you know. It's a simpler way of living maybe, mm-hmm. or just different. So I'm going to ask you a hard question here. All so right. you said that, you contributed part of the happy childhood to being raised in a Christian home. As I've been in this adoptee community, looking at Facebook groups, reading academic literature, there's a thought of white families adopting children from other races 
they're termed as the white savior. And that doesn't have a very positive spit on it because then a lot of times the children are told by the parents, well, we saved you from what you, what you could have been through from poverty, from whatever. Did you ever feel that you ever felt that from your family or from maybe members of your church? A little bit, a little bit, if I'm being honest. Um, I don't think people don't give enough respect to the birth family for their sacrifice. Of, um, I can just look through it through my personal story, but they don't give respect to the birth families for giving us up and that sacrifice for us to have a better life. I love that, that you brought that up to honor the birth families. Right. And maybe that is the one thing when people want to adopt that they need to be educated on that point is it's very important to honor the birth family. Yes. Did you experience that in your own family? Maybe a little bit, not too much, but maybe a little bit. Okay. And so when you say a little bit, are there certain phrases, the language maybe that you heard from your adoptive parents that would make you think about honoring your birth mother and father? Like, what do you mean? What do you mean by that question? Um, well, it's so complex. I don't even know what I'm asking. <laughs> Did your mom and dad, your adoptive mother and father ever say things like your birth mother, it must have been very difficult for her. She loved you. Oh, they did say that, that she loved me uh, enough to give me up. So we talked about Barbara Kim is our yep. mutual connection. Yep. And how do you know Barbara? I was, I went to an adoptee event in Omaha and then she was there. And if I remember right, and hi, William, it's good to see you. And then I never met her. And then she said, I was your caseworker. And so that was kind of a full circle moment. That's how I met her. So she was so your caseworker. She already knew, she already yeah, she knew did, you. Yeah, she, she did my adoption. So That's really powerful how that came came back around so that she made yeah. that connection with you. Yeah. So do you keep in contact with her regularly? I want to say regularly, but I've talked to her off and on since then. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting that once she came to the United States, she actually grew up in a rural community that's not too far from where you are located. Yeah. And, yeah. Yes. and how I, I'm just going to put in here how I met Barbara was we had gone to an online event. That's how we met. And then we visited and finally got to meet in person in Omaha a couple of years ago. Thank you. That's cool. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And then she told me about you. So that's how we met. Yeah. So William, I wanted to ask you more about your disability because you had mentioned to me that you wanted to be an advocate for Korean adoptees with disability. So would you like to speak about your own experience? I was born with a cleft palate. So the roof of my mouth didn't form. So I've had I've had quite a few surgeries. They had to do 
like plastic surgery and re redo the roof of my mouth. And then uh, I've had a lot of ear ear surgeries. They were affected by that also. A way to be an advocate for kids with health health concerns or birth defects. I would just tell them just to own own it, being unique in that way. And I think you have, I think you have an inner strength because you've gone through something that is very difficult. And if you view it as a positive, you can really, you can use that as something good when you're faced with uh, hard times in the future, knowing that you went through that. So it's actually like a, it's like a training ground exercise, if you will, um, maybe to make that comparison yeah it shapes your character i think mm -hmm. so how many surgeries uh, off the top of your head do you think you've had i don't think i've had more some more than 20. so about 20 20 operations yeah mm, wow how old were you when those operations when they started that for the reconstruction um, i think it happened almost right away when I came over, probably a couple months. But I had surgery up until I was 13. How did that affect your ability, I mean, to interact with other kids at school? Did the disability um, cause, create situations? Uh, where, okay, I'll let you talk. Uh, probably the speed. You know, I, I, had, uh, I had to do a lot of speech therapy throughout that time. Mm-hmm. And so did other students, were they supportive of you? Uh, I think, I think so. I never heard anything negative about mm -hmm. it. That's very good. I think that we live in a society that's better about how we treat fellow humans with, with disabilities, you know, right. that we're more supportive as a, as a people. Yeah. So here is another hard question. If there is a choice for parents with a child that needs an operation that's going to take a lot of money. What is your personal opinion on adoption then? Do you think that the parents should be persuaded to give up the child so that the child can have the operation? Or do you think that we as humanity, we need to do a better job of keeping the child with the parent and finding a way to support the family? I would say, uh, if at all possible, to keep keep the child with the birth family, uh, be less stress and and with the change of being adopted. I'm not against adoption. I want to make that very clear. I know some adoptees are against against adoption, but with that, if financially uh, it is possible to keep keep the kid in the birth family and the birth country. I think that would be the best best way to go. I don't know how how that would look, but that was going to be my next question. How do you think <laughs> that, that could look? So just yeah. like here in a few minutes, let's kind of maybe have some investigative thoughts about how could that look. Well, I know Halt International has the Molly Halt Fund for uh, uh, special needs kids, which I think is good. But that's that. I, I don't know mm -hmm. the logistics of what it would look like. Do you feel that maybe this is something in your future that you would want to take on? I've never thought about that. So I, 
I can't say any. <laughs> so, that's so a this big, that's a big idea. That's a big idea. <laughs> so this talk is getting you to to start thinking about reconnecting maybe with some of the adoptees from your community, how you would advocate on a larger scale for children with special needs to be able yep. to stay with their birth families. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some pretty deep thinking here. So you said that you're not against adoption. Can I ask you, how have you formulated that opinion? Well, I can, you know, just looking, I can only talk from my own experience. So without adoption for that time period, uh, I would have had a very tough, tough life in Korea. And I think sometimes that is the only uh, opportunity for a, a child to reach its full potential. So what about this idea that some people have said that children that are raised in institutions, they have there's no difference between a child who's raised in an institution or in a family, what would be your opinion on that? If they age out of it, you know, you mean if they, if they just grow up in the system. Mm -hmm. um, because there are some people that are saying we shouldn't have adoption at all because it's taking kids out of their countries that they should just grow well, up in an institution. I've heard, I've heard that uh, Korea uh, it's very hard to adopt from there right now. I don't fully agree with that. I think there would be more instability, not as stable of an environment if you grow up in the system. From what I can see, I'm looking at it, at it from the outside looking in, but having a family of some sort would be better, I think, than just living with a bunch of people, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So you're saying that family structure, having the the parents, siblings, because in an institution, there's not going to be family structure. You're basically just being raised with a bunch of other people, your peers, essentially. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. fittest, maybe. So and then you had used the term about aging out. Uh, are you familiar with the orphanage system in Korea now when those people age out of the system? No, I don't know anything about okay. that. So I think that's something we could talk to Barbara about. I think she knows quite a bit about that. I've heard that when they get out, when they age out, then they're just basically left on their own with no place to go. Yeah, that's a that's a tough road. It kind of makes you think about then when you're saying being brought up with a family is better because at least, you know, here in America, when we're 18, we get out of high school, it's like, I can hardly wait to move out of the house to get yeah. away from my parents. Yeah. But when hard times come, then at least we have someplace to go and to right. fall back on that support. So with the orphans that are aging out, they don't have that support. Would you agree then that would be another reason to have adoption? Yes. yes. Okay. William, You've had some adversity in your life as far as the, the physical aspects of it. And how do you feel? What got you through that? Probably um, just inner strength and uh, my faith in God. So what about your faith in God? I grew up in a Mennonite community, so we went to church every Sunday. So what does faith so, in God mean to you? Just trusting in him. I think everything has a reason. 
you know, there is a reason I think that I'm adopted into the Midwest. That everything has a reason. And sometimes we don't know the answer, but we hope that someday we'll, we'll know yeah, what the reasons yeah. were. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Have you been in reunion with your birth family? Tried to find them? Oh, I'd rather keep that private if you okay. don't mind. That's but fine. I don't view them in a negative way. If you were to meet them today, what would you say? I don't know. It would be. <laughs> I don't know. It would be kind of one of those awestruck moments where you'd just be kind of speechless, I think. Yeah. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Okay. Yeah, probably. So what would you like to say to the adoptee community, the Korean adoptee community first, and then maybe just to all adoptees? Probably going back to that, you know, just being unique and being ado adopted and owning it, you know, um, don't be, don't be ashamed of it or, or looking through my point of view, don't, don't be a victim. You know, you got to own it and it can, you can use it as a positive, you know, even though there's, it can be tough at times. So is that the same message that you would say to all adoptees, no matter what country they come from, even here in the United States? Yeah, I would say so. It, it makes you who you are. You know, it's a party, part of our identity. I guess you said to own it, to not be ashamed. Right. I don't know if there. I don't know if there's any shame. I'm not ashamed to be adopted, but mm -hmm. I, I don't know if people are or not. Well, I think it's something that I heard people will say that that seems to be a common thread from some people. I think when people haven't had positive experiences with their birth families within their communities that whole idea of shame, the feeling of shame is pretty prolific. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's a tough situation. Mm -hmm. So I would say that you were pretty um, lucky, if I could use that word, to come through this experience as a Korean adoptee and not to have had to experience those feelings or racist right, attitudes right. toward you. Right. Um, yeah, these are difficult topics to talk about. I see that we have 10 minutes left. Okay, so I'm going to have to edit out some stuff here, but um, I have another question for you. Yeah. Do you and your birth family ever sit down and have deep conversations about my adopted topic? family or your adoptive family? Yeah. Um, with my sisters, I have. To a degree, mm -hmm. I would say, yeah. No, I was ahead. just going to say, what kind of, uh, what have they said to you about it? They've asked the question, would you, if it all would have worked out, would you have wanted to stay in Korea? And like I said earlier, that's a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. So I think it's easier to talk to fellow adoptees about adoption because we we understand it on a deeper level. I agree. 
And then there's the, on the other hand, it's like, we don't know. If you, would you have rather stayed in Korea if it would have worked out? Well, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Because we weren't given the opportunity. Right, right. I'm so grateful to talk to you today, William, and thank you for sharing your story. You have an adoptive story of love, compassion within your family. And I think that that is a story that needs to also be told and to be given equal, what I want to say, equal hearing across the yeah. adoptee community, because I hear a lot of angry stories. Right. So thank you for sharing. Is there anything else that you would like to say? If there's other adoptees in Nebraska, I co-lead the Nebraska Train Adoptee Group. And so if you're, whether you're in the Lincoln or Omaha area or the Kearney, Hastings, Grand Island area, you can look up the group on Facebook and ask to join. And uh, it'd be good to, good to reach out and find other adoptees that want to be a part of the group. Very good. And I'll put that link in the description box. Thank you, William. Right.